Well, folks, I'm Fred McMurray. This is Thursday. It's 2 p.m. I've got a screw up here, so give me a second so that hopefully I can actually get us all running the way we should be. And then I can play this wonderful, wonderful, ah, sometimes I really hate life, folks. Sometimes I just do. So just in case, here we go. It's Sorry about that, folks. It's time for Word on the Street. However, we are broadcasting everywhere, amazingly enough. Yay! Awesome, awesome. I hate life. (laughs) We don't really have that big of expectations, just that we're broadcasting everywhere. I mean, how hard could that be? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think we're broadcasting everywhere. At least it appears everything's green. Um, Okay, so as much as I'm really happy about today's show um, and our guests, because um, as I talked to our guests the first time, I I told them, I said, I think I was 13 before I realized the phrase Bobby Douglas was not a swear word. Um, So I'm, I'm really excited about today's guest. I just... I want to I want to take a, a second or two uh, for silence for the the lives lost in the explosions in Afghanistan today, and that's all I'm going to say because otherwise I'm going to go off on a rant. And yeah, no politics. Okay, take us away, Kristen. Hey, so today we have a great show. As you indicated, um, we do have the wonderful, fabulous Bears, ex-Bears player, Doug Plank, in the, uh, on the show today, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but first, we have some word on the street, Elizabeth and I. I don't know where our graphics are for word on the street, but we'll just tell you it's word on the street. Um, so one of the things we were looking at in Inc. Magazine this week is what was coined by Texas A&M, the Great Resignation. Um, kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about when we called it the She Session, right? And that was primarily focused on women in uh, professional careers who were kind of making a mass exodus of corporate America and running into primarily franchising. Um, and this happens to be some of the numbers out of um, all of corporate America for over the course of April, May, and June. We had 11 and a half million people quit their jobs, which is amazing to me. Um, and then there's so many businesses looking to hire. It's, it's, it's insane. I don't know what's happening to everybody. But um, the other thing we looked at is there's, out of 30,000 people surveyed, Elizabeth, did you know that there's 41% of that 30,000 that are still considering quitting? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and we wonder why we're having a worker shortage. But, but the, you know, the article posits some theories about why this is happening, including um, people rethinking their careers during downtime in the pandemic, yeah. people being less willing to tolerate unfair treatment, um, 
demanding a better work environment. Yep. Um, and I think that a lot of that is true. They're also talking about two-income families deciding that it's not worth it. There are daycare shortages also, so there are yep. a lot of factors playing into the family di- financial dynamic. Well, and you're, you're a mom in the workplace, too, just like me, right? And, and I remember after, not so much with my first, but with my second and certainly with my third, I remember driving to work thinking, oh, really, when I do the math, I'm just working to pay daycare. And at that point, as I'm working to pay for daycare, I'm missing all the milestones, right? So I get the sheet of paper at the end of the day that says, hey, your kid took his first steps today. And I'm like, oh, great, I missed that, too, right? So I think that... You know, one of the things they mentioned, if you recall, too, was about um, the uh, not so much work-life balance per se, but that family time that so many people were exposed to during the pandemic when they got to stay home and how much they really enjoyed being there with their loved ones. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's happened as well is people are realizing that working from home can work. There's always a trust issue when you do remote work. I did some remote work for someone before the pandemic, about a couple of years before, and there were trust issues. They had never done that before. I said, I don't want to drive an hour every day. I'll come in three days a week. I'll stay home two days a week and work because I had been working from home. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, we'll try it. But this trust, very distrustful. And you had to kind of earn that. And I think the pandemic has forced a lot of employers to realize that it can work. And yeah. you can trust your workers. And now workers are demanding that trust. Like, I've proven it to you that I can do it. So don't make me go back and give up the commute time and the family time and being able to pick my kid up from school in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's but, some you know, good things to come out of the pandemic. To me, those are good things that family became a little bit more of a priority again. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of feel like we were missing that before, right? Mm-hmm. And I think some cultures um, – in the world do a really great job about putting family first. And I think I'll call it back in the day, like obviously (laughs) my grandparents had these very strong family units. And I feel like as my generation, certainly my kids' generation, we just didn't, that's not really a big thing to us, right? People live clear across the country from their families. And hopefully this will kind of bring us all back together again. So quick interjection. I was, um, I've been talking to folks, uh, who are employed by others, um, who have a regular normal job. And the vast, uh, they all hate their jobs. They all <laughs> loathe going in. And none of them, and they're all looking, but yet the jobs that they're getting accepted for are um, well below what they're making. So we keep hearing this a lot about, you know, there's a a shortage of workers, um, and yet the people hiring don't seem to be changing salary requirements. And what's even worse is the environments that people are working in, the word I keep getting is toxic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's making it very interesting, and certainly for what we do, I think it's amazing for what we do because it's pushing more and more people, especially right now they're talking a lot about Generation Z, right? So the folks that are a little bit younger than than my generation, out of the 30,000 surveyed, 54% of those that were, or 54% of the Generation Z in that group said that they're considering quitting right now. They want out, right? I think it's because they're not all working for a guy like David, right? 
we all know David's the warm fuzzy guy everybody wants to work for, right? He's the, he's the guy we love on the show who is really all about the employees. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. When you say people are complaining about toxic environments and they're not being taught leadership, they don't feel like they're part of something, right? Those are all really critical things that um, employers need to think about. But for us, I think it's really great because there are a lot of people out there who said, you know what, I want to go into business for myself. I want to be my own boss. And uh, what better place to do it, really, than in franchising? You don't have to be an expert. You just have to know um, that you have that inner drive, that commitment, that, um, oh, David, I'm losing my word that I always use for you, the grit, right, the stick-to-itness, the passion, and, and be able to follow a system, right? And so for us, I think it's really awesome Hopefully, we'll um, see a lot of people come through in the next couple of years that will take that leap of faith and trust in themselves and, and start opening some franchises. Well, and create the environment that they would like to work in for others. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the power in business ownership, right? Yep, absolutely. And with that, really, I'd like to um, get us past our pillars of weather so we can talk to somebody who has really kind of paved his own way and prepared himself to do just that as he finished a different type of career. So let's bring in the rest of the group for our pillars of weather. Elizabeth, you want to start because you look like you're somewhere sunny. I am. It's actually quite sunny today, and we have a very exciting news. Our heat index is below 100 for the first time in maybe two weeks. <laughs> Good for you. We've been 105 to 110 heat index, and I think today is 99. Wow. <laughs> I'm I celebrating. Did you bother looking, Ray? I just know it's smoking hot out there. That's what I call the temperature. It, it, it's, it's way too hot here in Aurora, Illinois. It is. Uh, you, I cannot walk from the house to the car without having to take a shower. It's oh, okay. so humid. It's so well, I, I know the heat index uh, yesterday was well over 100 here, so yeah. that gives you an idea. Right now, the temperature is 92, but uh, I don't know what the heat index is, but I just finished mowing the lawn and had to take a shower after that, and it, it's hot. Just, you needed to borrow my John Deere tractor. <laughs> That's what you needed, because you have a cup holder for not, something nice and cool to blow and mow. Two cold drinks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I don't mind mowing, even though now I have to fight my son for who's going to ride the tractor. But I'll tell you, you know, I agree with you. It actually looks like it wants to storm again today outside of my office. Um, but I can't say that I break a sweat because I'm supposed to say girls sparkle, right, when we get um, – Oh, yeah. When yeah. we perspire, we sparkle. Perspire. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I sweat like a pig. And our special guest today, sitting like monkey in the middle. Oh, wait, there's David. I think he squeezed into the screen. So, David, let's go to you first. What's going on? Are you in Ohio? I am in Ohio, and the weather's the same. It can be described in a couple different ways, but it's hot, wet, and sticky. Okay. And that's, that's our good. word. Those are hot, safe words. Yes. Well, I was going to say it's the same description used for something else, and I thought, why better not? So it's not wet. <laughs> Don't get me going there already. <laughs> it's not Friday. It's not Friday happy hour, right? It's, we're still Thursday. Well, we're knocking on happy hour, but it's not Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to blush in, in front of our 
our guest today, who seems to be such a gentleman. I'd like to introduce everybody to our very special guest today, Mr. Doug Plank. Welcome to the show, Doug. Thank you so much. Uh, I haven't been around as many energetic people <laughs> recently, so this is fun. I don't know. You seem pretty energetic to me. Uh, you know what it is? I uh, I always like to keep going, and my wife says I've got it. ADD or whatever you want to call it, I'm always thinking about something else when I'm doing something. And you know what? I realize, you know, there are four quarters in a football game. I, I understand now at 68 years old, I am in the fourth quarter of my life. Every time I played in a football game in the fourth quarter, I sped things up. I accelerated them. I ran off and on the field. Uh, when the play was called, I ran back to my position. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm on a mission. I've got to accomplish it. I'm running out of time. There isn't much time left on the clock. Yes. There isn't a day that goes by. I'll think, what did you do today, Doug? <laughs> Not the old, hey, a New Year's Eve, you know, let's map out my life. No, I do that every single day because time is important now. I, I don't have time to waste. Well, for all the people who may not know, your name just by the simple name of it and people who aren't watching and recognize your face let me just give you a brief intro and we have a former Chicago Bears player um, who used to be known as one of the famous hitmen right Um, with Gary Sensing Mr. Doug Plank I understand now I am not so I'm from Chicago so I am by all means a Bears fan you're from Pittsburgh are you a Steelers fan? Well, like, absolutely. I mean, growing up, I was a huge Steelers fan. And okay. But there was a perfect experience when I was nine years old. I participated in the pass, putt, and kick competition. It's something for younger kids to be performing. You know, you, you, you do it locally. Then the ones that are, are the winners of the respective region, you compete in an NFL game, you know, while at halftime. And uh, I, at nine years old, I competed and I won in the Pittsburgh area, the, the uh, eastern part of the United States. Uh, but I got a chance to meet all the Steelers at nine years old the night before. Unbelievable. I thought I was in a dream world. Awesome. Passing, kicking, you know, throwing. And uh, although I, I, I beat the kid I was be, uh, going against, there was another, ch- another nine-year-old in Chicago that beat me out. Uh, you know what? Football, I mean, it, football's a business. And it is. The faster I learned that, learned that, the better I became. Well, and that's interesting because at nine years old, that was just one of the things that you accomplished, right? Because you then went off to Ohio State where you uh, you guys went to three Rose Bowls. You had three Big Ten titles. Um, and, and, you know, you and I have something in, in common. When I was reading through all your bio stuff today, you and I worked for the same man. Oh, really? We did. We both worked for Arthur Blank. Oh, wow. Yeah. Arthur. Yeah. You know what? Here's why. Uh, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I was coaching a – I was defense coordinator of a, uh, Arizona Rattlers, and Danny White was the head coach, and I played against Danny when he was the quarterback for the Cowboys. So he, he did the offense. I did the defense. And uh, then there was a job open in, in Atlanta, and Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, he owned yep. that team. So, you know, I ended up uh, going down there. And here's why I went to Atlanta and Arthur Blank. Forget the football. Well, I, I love football. Arthur Blank, Mr. Home Depot. Yes, sir. Learned some lessons about hiring people, how, how to incentivize them, yep. you know, uh, bonuses. 
you know, all those sort of, that's why I went there. I didn't go there to coach arena football. I'm not trying to say it wasn't something, but meeting Arthur Blank and being around him for four years, that, that was special. So I do have to say I just got chills because really that is exactly what I learned from him as well, him and Bernie Marcus. And um, the whole thing, you know, when David and I get on our on our tangents about taking care of people and things, that was really a remarkable experience for me as well. And I'm glad to hear that years later, you know, you were able to pick up from that even as he transitioned into into sports, into football. Because I thought, well, what is this guy going to do going from home improvement into football? But one thing we knew is he knew how to run a business, right? And so he knew how to make money. And, uh, you know, he was really kind of the, you know, Bernie tended to be the more warm, fuzzy guy, and, and Arthur is more down to brass tacks, um, you know, if you will. But nonetheless, both fantastic people. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to bring that up. But, I mean, you've, you've had quite an experience or quite a life of experiences. Can, can you tell us a little bit about all the stuff you've done on the off season? It seems yeah. like you've just been, as you said, I think you've always been in the fourth quarter of your life. You know what? <laughs> Everything is training. Let me just say, you know, why I wanted to go to Atlanta was to meet Arthur Blank. So I go down to Atlanta. Okay. I don't want to just be a football coach. I want to do other things. So I contacted a company. It was a broadcasting company for the NFL, National mm-hmm. Radio and the Armed Services Network. So I got hired as an announcer when I was a football coach for their arena team. And I also worked that, you know what, Arthur Blank wanted one guy to do one thing. He didn't want me to come in, be the coach of the arena team, work with the Atlanta Falcons, be a national radio broadcaster. (laughs) I was. I did radio games for 10 years. Here's the other thing. I ended up going to a store one time and I ate the food and I go, man, this is good. It was Chick-fil-A. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. You know what? I didn't tell Arthur this. I started making correspondence with the people over at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but I was already a Burger King franchisee. What, what's a franchisee do? He reaches out to other franchises. That's right. That's right. What's happening? So did I ever get a store? Well, no, not directly. But because I own real estate out here in Arizona in a location in downtown Tempe next to the university where there was no other lots, I convinced Chick-fil-A to put one of their restaurants right on this one acre parcel. They still are there. They are still producing money for me. I don't say 24 hours a day, uh, six so, days a week, six days a week. They are unbelievable. Well, amazing. I, I'm wondering if you ate at the same Chick-fil-A that I did over there in Vining's then. What are the first, right? Well, I ate almost all their restaurants because I wanted to find out if there was any inconsistencies from one location to another. That's yeah. when you got a bad franchise. When the food tastes different, you get different yeah. foods, you go from one location to another to another. There's no consistency. And you know that the upper sure. echelon is not doing their job. Right. Now, and I'll tell you what, what's very interesting, um, if we want to reflect, and I, I hate to make the show about Arthur, but, you know, one thing that he tried to do is make sure that all the stores were very similar, and in that sense, it's very franchise-like. Um, in your off-seasons, you did a lot of things to continue kind of self-improvement in different fields, but you also spent 20 years in the Burger King arena. Oh, good. I was afraid it was going to stay the pillars of Arthur. <laughs> You'll never know we've talked as much about him. <laughs> yeah, I was always looking for something else. And, uh, you know, you can say, well, how did you get into Burger King? Well, I was playing for the Bears, and I was asked to go sign autographs at a Burger King restaurant. Now, 
Signing the autographs was the least of my concerns when I went there. I wanted to meet the owner because I knew this was a franchise restaurant. You know, so after, so I talked to every person, every employee, every customer. I went way, way overboard. I was greeting people as they were coming in the door, and I was patting them on the back. Hey, have a great life. See you later. But what, so, what, what, why was that? What got I'll you? Tell you, why, because you know what? I always thought, you know what? There was many times I would go to work. I would go to school. I would go different directions each day. They go, why would you do that, Doug? I don't know. I might find out something going a different direction than I would if I just kept going the same way every day. Sure. So anyway, I do this Burger King thing, and the owner comes up. He goes, oh, my gosh, Doug, you were here like four hours. You know, you were only supposed to be here two hours. I met everybody, hugged them, you know, taking pictures with everybody. And I said, how did you get involved in this business? This guy went on and told me like a half hour story of his life in Burger King. He goes, Doug, if you want to get involved in his business, I know the franchise coordinators around here in Chicago. I'll, I'll hook you up. In fact, he, he's over, he's headquartered in Detroit, Michigan. Now this is the off season. You know, I went over to Detroit, Michigan. I met this guy. I interviewed. I worked at a Burger King restaurant for two weeks at the drive through I'm a Chicago bear. Nobody wow. knows. Nobody recognizes wow. Chicago bear. No, nobody knew who I was. Uh -huh. The lettuce, special orders doesn't upset us. Manny's lettuce, tomato, pickle, ketchup, onion. Hey, listen, I learned it all. So when my career came to an end and I was told, hey, Doug, you got a spinal concussion. You're a danger to play football anymore. Yeah. I said, where's, that where's that Burger King franchise coordinator? And I called that guy and he goes, Doug, come on down. We're waiting for you. And when my career ended in football, within three months, I was running and operating a Burger King restaurant in Columbus, Ohio. Um, now, now I, I show here, you actually were with Burger King for like 20 years. 20 years, yeah. I, so, let me just say this. Uh, that was in Columbus. That uh -huh. was out here in Phoenix, Arizona. And that was also in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, because, you know, Phoenix... The reason why I came out here first, because they were under, uh, they didn't have as many franchisees as they needed. So they were almost actively um, advertising for franchises within the system to come out and give, gave you advantageous royalty and advertising rates. And, and they would reduce your franchise fee, all those sort of things. So, you know, at that time, what, what is part of being a franchisee? Well, okay, you need to do service. Uh, you need to run a business. You know, you need to know how to run a business. Yeah. But when I was in Chicago, my off season one year, instead of earning a job, I went to Elmhurst College and I, ah. I got an accounting degree to sit for the CPA exam. <laughs> and it was another wow. thing I could put in my pocket and say, you know what? I don't know what, you know, uh, accelerated depreciation is. I didn't know about sure. AMT, alternative minimum tax. I did after I was done. Right, right. <laughs> Even though I didn't become a CPA, it, it helped me so much in my business because I understood what an income statement was and a balance sheet. And yeah. all, I could talk turkey with any CPA in the business. So I got a real estate license. I got a CPA license, or not a CPA, but an accounting degree. And, uh, and then I, I got a securities license, a Series 65, which mm -hmm. taught me all about tax consequences, accelerating. Yep appreciation, you know, how to maneuver your money. But uh, none of that taught you about hamburgers that you opened a Burger King. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's really not that hard to make hamburgers. You know, it's mayonnaise, well, lettuce, tomato, yeah. 
But now think about, so right now, right, Elizabeth and I were just talking about the number of, of corporate leaders out there and such who are saying, hey, I'm done, I'm out, I want to open a business, right? And, and many of them know about the things you were just talking about, but they don't know a lot about making a burger, right? Yeah, you know what, though? Uh, I, I like hamburgers. I always did. So <laughs> it's like going to the playground. You know, you got the monkey bars and then you swing and all that. That's what I felt like going in the restaurant. There's microwaves yeah. here. There's yeah. you know, cooking tables over here. There's French, French fry makers. What is there not to like about the business? I love milkshakes. There's a nice, you know, milk, milkshake machine over there. I can get a chocolate, strawberry, vanilla anytime I want, 24 right. hours a day. Uh, well, tell me, how do you think being um, kind of on a football team played – for you into being in a, in a franchising team. Were there similarities? That's because Doug had the special sauce. He had the special secret sauce. <laughs> hey, I think that's the wrong franchise. You know, here's what I tell you guys. I, I, I think, you know, we're all, we are, whether we like it or not, we love being around other people. Each of each, I'm sure each and every one of us. And I love working with people. Like, so on this team thing, this football thing, oh my gosh. I never cried in my life until like a couple times, you know, in high school and in college, I, I had tears rolling down my face, like during a game. It was because if somebody did something for me, took down a blocker or made the way for me to go in there and make the tackle. And like, they sacrificed themselves though. I mean, they, there was a serious a concussion, you know, a, a separated shoulder or whatever. Yeah. I would go up to them afterwards, like the next day and like have tears in my eyes. I won't even know why I had tears in my eyes. You know right. what? Something about working together as a team and not being selfish. It's not about you. You know, you're not going to top of uh, Mount Everest all by yourself. Uh, even that is not a single man. You know, there's a lot of work and teamwork that goes into that. Um, but, you know, when, when I got into sports, I went, oh, my gosh, this is like over the top. I'm happy for other people just like they're happy for me. And I want to learn about every single thing that they do because that impacts me, just like in a restaurant. With having that accounting back information, I understood where I made money and where I lost money. And right. where my labor was too high, I didn't never knew what labor percentages or, you know, cash over insurance was on the register. Well, you better because your employees are going to steal from you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anybody has bad employees, but there are times in a 20-year experience sure. you want to take your money. Well, and some just don't know how to do money counting, right? I'm sure some of it's just bad math. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, here's the other thing I learned. Every game that we won, there was a incentivized, you know, what they would give you dinners for two to the pump room, which is a real popular uh, restaurant was in Chicago. Still or, is. Or, or they, they would go on dinners for two here or uh, special gifts, you know, at hardware stores or at other places. And you know what? I thought, you know what? I worked so hard in those games, not to win the game, I wanted to get the free toolbox at Ace Hardware. <laughs> crazy. The, the biggest, everybody, the, the hit of the game, you got an igloo cooler. Now, guys would go out there, me included, try to hit guys as hard as they could. So in front of the team, Monday morning, I could walk up in front of everybody and get the igloo cooler. And tell them, <laughs> I thought about it. That's all awesome. Second quarter. So you know what I did? When I got those Burger Kings, I did exactly the same thing. I had a monthly meeting, and I incentivized everybody. Everybody that did cash over in short, lowest in the store, the most uh, uh, compliments by our customer base, they yep. got awards. 
And you know what? They were cheap awards. They really were. And the other way to incentivize people from going someplace else, franchise stores, any, any franchise store in the food business will allow you to eat for free when you're working. Yeah. Franchisees are cheapskates. You know, they, they don't let you have free food. They said they charge you 50%. So you got to pay 50%. Here's what I did. I realized quickly that anybody understands free things, like we are right now with these checks and everything. So every month I said, listen, I, I gave out all the awards and stuff. But at the end of it, I said, you know what? Um, I didn't tell the employees this, but I was having a little bit of a problem keeping employees and things. I go, there's a special, you know, gift that I want to give you right now. Your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, including yourself, you, anytime, you, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you, your family can come in here and eat for nothing. Wow. Now, you go, that's wow. You can't do that. A burger cost me 20 cents. A milkshake cost me 50 cents. I don't care how they, no, no family can bankrupt a Burger King or a McDonald's. Right. The costs are like 10% of what is on the menu board. Wow. So, you know what? I, nobody was quitting. Nobody, nobody quit at my restaurant. You know why? They weren't allowed to quit because their parents would bring them down. He was delusional. He yeah. wanted his job back. And I'm looking at him going, he don't look like he wants his job back. His <laughs> <laughs> father worked right next in an office building next to a store I owned. I own 12 restaurants in Columbus, and uh, I knew his dad was in every single day. Free, 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 free. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So that's I, awesome. You got to start thinking outside the box. And uh, when you're in a franchise situation, you, know, you have meetings, and you have people that are around you that are offering you suggestions every single month. You have a monthly meetings, then you have a big annual kickoff somewhere down yeah. or something like that. And uh, – so, no, I, I love franchising. It was like, there's a lot of guys who want to go out there on their own. Hey, it's me, me, me. Like in football, everybody has an ego. They have a big ego. That's right. They all want to think, hey, I'm, I'm successful because I'm so smart. I'm a brainiac. I can do yeah. anything. No, these, most of these guys can't do anything. That's, yeah, yeah. They can't, well, they can't motivate themselves. I tell yeah. them, listen, you're going to be running your own corporation, which is you. you got to wake up every day. got to go to work every day. got to motivate everybody. you got to... Yeah guy you got to be the head coach you know I coach absolutely them. absolutely we have to take a commercial break quickly as and i know you know what that's like right you've had to cut too many of those so we can pay our bills and when we come back i want to talk to you about some of the other things that you've done within the franchising circle outside of burger king to support uh as you kind of indicated there in, in uh arizona to support other franchise systems so after a moment we'll be right back again with doug plank of chicago Bears. and away we go Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence will get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. 
That's 805-265-5440 or westvinewithaY.com. Awesome, and welcome back to the show. Today we're talking to Doug Plank, one of the original hitmen with the Chicago Bears. And uh, Doug, so I wanted to kind of circle back a little bit. What, a couple of the things that you've stated, um, some of your famous quotes um, I want to share with the group is, uh, football taught me hard work and how to get back up when you're knocked down. I can't tell you how many times I've been knocked down. And, you know, I think that's actually so true when you're in business, right? So whether it's, it's no. and I think, yeah, it's, there are days, right? Yes, no doubt. And so um, I want to just share that with everybody because I think that's really important. And you also said don't feel sorry for yourself. Um, if you go the wrong direction, you didn't see the guy coming, you just got destroyed, you lost to a team when you should have won. It's all those things we go through, in this case as athletes, but you don't stay down. You do the extra work. You do whatever it takes to get back up. You know what? It sounds like you're reading something out of a book, but you know, from my own personal <laughs> something you said. That's <laughs> close. Third town of three thousand five hundred people, and you know, I, I was trying to make a, a blueprint for my life where I wanted to go. I want, I wanted to play for Joe Paterno, a coach who coached Penn State Lions back in the Lions years ago, and I wrote him letters. Every game my senior year, I wrote him a letter. Dear coach, I threw this many touchdowns. I got this many interceptions. I forced this many fumbles. I never heard from him. Week one, two, three, four, up through week 10, nothing. And I go, well, that was a great idea. Now, I felt like I was writing to Santa Claus when I was dropping him in the mailbox. You know, how, you really expect a coach to write you back? How many thousands of kids out there are writing him letters? These weren't regular letters, though. I right. would write letters like, I really, 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 really want to come to Penn State. Now, if I'm reading that letter, I'm going, this guy doesn't know his English, or he really, 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 really wants to <laughs> Season's over, and I get called down to the office. It was an English class. I'll never forget it. And I get out of the office. Joe Paterno is in the office. <gasps> he wants to see Doug Plank. Wow. <laughs> and he, and he underneath his arm, it was all my letters. He goes, Doug, I've never had anybody write me letters like this. Um, he goes, you know, I would really like to recruit you. He goes, especially now after reading this, he goes, but we're already well into the recruiting process and we've identified and targeted guys that we want to have on our team. He said, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, coach, if you could just say that, you know, you had interest in me, that's all. Not that you were going to recruit me, not that I was going to be a Penn State, Nittany Lion, nothing. Uh -huh. Next week in the Pittsburgh press, an article, Joe Paterno comes to Norwin High School in Irwin, Pennsylvania to visit Doug Plank. You know what? My phone started ringing like the next day. One of those phone calls was from Ohio State. Woody Hayes, the head coach. He goes, Doug, wow. I see Joe Paterno came to your high school. I go, yeah, he did. He goes, yeah, I see you. You know, I met with you and all that sort of thing. I said, oh, yeah. And he was really interested in me. Now, <laughs> I didn't tell him he was going to recruit me. I didn't tell him any lies. Yes. Well, Doug, you know, myself and, and another coach, Earl Bruce, who was another backup coach, he said, we'd like to come and visit you this Friday. I said, come down, coach. Come on down. Ohio State, they had just won the national championship. They want Doug Plank. You got to be kidding. I mean, he can I go, coach, you don't have to make this hard. I, I, I like Ohio State. You know, the other thing, too, is 
when you're in high school, you're scared of going away from your home. I'm serious. You're just scared of it. I don't want to go to Arizona or California when you live in Irwin, Pennsylvania. Ohio, okay, that's not that bad. It's not much further than, you know, uh, going to Penn State. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, man, this is great. I can, I can drive home on the weekends or a month, whatever I want to, all the holidays. And, you know, knowing I was going to Ohio State, man, I knew there was going to be incredible demands on me. And the first yeah. day I'm there with all the other fr- uh, freshmen on AstroTurf, which I've never played on, uh, I'm running with a ball and, and another guy trying to show up for the coaches grabs my leg, leg and then rolls. And I hear this pop, pop. He, 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 he tore my ligaments, my ACL, my MCL, and all the cartilage in my right knee. I've only been there 20 minutes. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to get surgery. So it goes back to what you were talking about. Listen, don't stay down here on the bottom level. Hey, that's right. I can always get better. I can start lifting weights. I don't have to be a loser. I can be optimistic every day. And listen, yep. I mean, that's what I literally did my three years there. In my senior year, I, I played the game of my life at Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, in front of a Chicago Bear coach, and he drafted me. They drafted me in the 12th round, 291st player in the draft that year. I mean, yeah, but I was, you made it. It doesn't matter if you're number one or 291. The check comes from the same place, right? That's it. It's, it's, how, it's how you finish. And that's what I just tell people. Listen, don't get – you know, find out what you don't want to do. I found out I didn't want to be on a garbage truck. I didn't want to be living <laughs> 3,500. I wanted to have the up, upward mobility to try to make something of my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that's a really great story. You know, we, we talk a lot about grit and perseverance. And, you know, you can't enter into any of this stuff lightly. And we just got to... We got a message on YouTube. It says Doug Plank had a pro football defense named after his jersey number 46. That tells you everything about the player and the man. He is someone I could listen to 24-7 and 7. Kudos to Pillars of Franchising for having him on. And I know so many people feel that way. I mean, when we started talking just as a group, I mean, Ray knew right away, oh, hey, I know Doug Plank. And, and I haven't shut up long enough for Ray to even ask you any questions. So, Ray, I apologize. I, I, let, I, I let our guests do all the talking, obviously, because, you know, I'm, I'm just enthralled listening to him. It's great. Just love yeah. it. It's one of the yeah, few I, times I've seen in three and a half years Ray shut the hell up a lot. <laughs> well, and, and he's very engaged, right? He's very engaged in this discussion. So I don't think anybody – that's involved in our show right now isn't sitting, you know, is forward in their chairs listening intently on this discussion. But, um, you know, your career did not stop with Burger King and franchising. As, as you started to talk about, you know, you've got some other interests in franchising that continue yet today. Can you talk to us a little bit about those and, and what it is that you're doing? Yeah, sure. You know, I'll just touch on it real quick. You know, when I became a Burger King franchisee, I started seeing all these business things like, Okay, accounting. I need. I need to. I need to take care of things. I want to build my business. I have to go out and buy land. I have to, you know, I have to build a building on that land. I have to go get financing. So every single thing, it's. I know it's great to go to the university. I got a degree from, you know, Ohio State University. I was very proud of that in four years. But you know what? I can go out and get a license in six weeks and start doing things professionally that I can't do going to school for months after months. Yeah. After. It's going to take me four years. I can get a securities license. 
which I did. I went and got a contractor's license so I could build the Burger King buildings. I got a real estate license. I could go buy the land. I became a loan originator. I could go get a loan. Mm-hmm. I was the one-stop shop. Instead yeah. of buying equipment off Burger King, I got a, a equipment license, brokerage license. I could go out to any <laughs> manufacturer in America and go ahead and buy equipment. Here's why I'm not in Burger King right now. I got to a point because they were giving more locations to other people than I, I felt was fair in Columbus, Ohio, I'm sorry, in Phoenix. Yeah. So what I started doing was, instead of trying to get locations and stuff like that, I started advertising in the national re- nation's restaurant news for other Burger King franchisees for stores that were for sale in Phoenix, Arizona. No, they weren't even for sale yet because all I had done was just buy a piece of land. Okay. I could build the building. I could go get the loan. I could put the equipment in there. And here's the other thing. Because I was a licensee in all these areas, I could do all this for less than 50%. Wow. Something else's cost. Because I have all the licenses, I have all the knowledge, I could do all this for 50% less. So when I'm selling a store to another franchisee from another state that wants to come to Arizona, sunshine, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I was making, there were a couple of years I made a million dollars. You know what? Burger King knows about this because they know it's your store you're selling. You yeah. got their yeah. After I sold like three or four stores one year, they said, no more stores for you, Doug, because you are now a retailer. You're not even a franchisee. You're, you're buying and building and putting equipment in there and getting a franchise fee, and then you're selling it. Now, here's the other thing. Um, they said there's no new franchisees in Phoenix after, I, after one year of doing this. And I said, okay, that's fine. Great, thank you. I went home and I said, okay, well, how can I get around this? I started advertising in the nation's restaurant news, be a Burger King franchisee, you know, a 50% partner. When they came in, they were a 50% partner. <laughs> Uh, the store, it didn't say anything about partnerships. You could have another partner. I wasn't selling the store then, but it, after one year, they would put up 50% of the money and they would buy my remaining 50% for $1. And here's how they did it. They paid me up front for every, all my expenses. Yeah. So I made all my money up front. And I said, the, the second part of this contract is in, in one year, you must buy my share, 50% share for $1. That's how I got them in the system. They were they weren't they weren't new franchisees. They were my partners. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, and again, that's where there's a will, there's a way, right? (laughs) (laughs) And now you are you not? I thought I saw somewhere that you have you have another um, brand interest. Do you not? Well, I do. You know, uh, I'm a I'm a franchisee. I don't have any stores right now. I'm an approved franchisee for Wendy's and Culver's. Now, okay. I think those are both good concepts. Yes. Let me just say this though. You know, in franchising, they have geographic areas where that you can go, and you you have certain uh, ability to build stores in certain locations. You know what? Most of the locations, like in Wendy's, they're all in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, it's hard when you're living in Chicago, and then you go out to Arizona for this. All happens in. <laughs> it's hard to go to New Hampshire, Connecticut. <laughs> Rhode Island. I mean, come yeah. on, people. I love those states. They yeah. were hard to sell in high school and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. My wife says, Doug, you are not going. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, you, can, you really can only go like in the fall when it's beautiful, <laughs> right? Because now even in the summer, you're not really too sure what's going to happen weather-wise. And so I can see her concern and there's just no reason to go there in the winter. 
Yeah, wasn't there just a hurricane that blew through Rhode Island or something? It's like, how does that happen? That's not even, that's like unprecedented. You know what? People talk different up there. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> you can say that because you're from Pittsburgh. <laughs> you all talk funny there. You know what I, love? I love being a, Steel, a Steeler fan. And I, I played against the Steelers twice in my eight-year career. Being on the field with like Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw, I would like go right up next to him, like give me like, hey Terry, how you doing? My name's Doug. I was always a big fan of yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to school with uh, Gravel's daughter too. Franco Harris, he gets yeah. back. Franco, man, what a man! You run so hard. You know, please take it easy on me. It was like it was like being at the playground. Honestly, it's like your favorite, the best ideas thing ever happened to you in your life. You're right there with the people that you grew up watching. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I have a question for you. In all of, of all your experience, today's biggest issue for franchisees in all different, you know, segments, but especially in, in food, right? Um, what kind of advice or what strategy would you have to help attract employees or talent today? Because that's a big issue for people. Uh, I would go back to the thing that I offered. You know, this sounds crazy. Um, you know, the free meal program, the free meal program was unbelievable. Now that was when the economy was good. There were no COVIDs going around the country. None of that. You know, we still had an employment pro pro problem and you know, it, it's hard to, the margins are so thin in fast food. It'd be nice to offer somebody, you know, $20 an hour or whatever, 25. It doesn't work. When you start running those numbers through an accounting equation, it's amazing. I mean, all these stores that I had that made over a million dollars, they didn't they didn't net more than fifty thousand dollars. You yeah. can say, why? Why? Well, maybe it was the rent. Maybe it was the real estate taxes in that particular area. Maybe I, I wanted to go where the more affluent you know locations of town were. I paid so much more. I paid yeah. taxes and you know just overhead and utilities. I mean, I, I think I'm thinking to myself. Oh my gosh, this, this store is doing like a million five and I'm making like $50,000. I yeah. mean, so much money coming in. It's just it's going through your hands right out sure. of the door. And, well, and, and now today, so many of these major markets have um, minimum wage issues, right? So if you're in downtown Chicago, you've got $15 an hour. You're out in Seattle. I think they went up now. I want to say, don't quote me. I know everyone will. I, I want to say they're almost to $18 an hour. I mean, how do you survive that except for you have to pass that cost on to your customers? So pretty soon I'm going to Burger King and my Whopper, instead of what used to be two for five, I now get two for 20. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. And you know what happens is uh, then you get some other unbelievable competition. Chick-fil-A wasn't around. Uh, in and out Burger wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, those are like, especially out here out the in the West, in and out Burger came, oh my gosh, they spelled like death for everybody yeah. within a mile of each of their stores because there's so many people from, we're not, we don't live in Arizona. We live in, in California minus or something. These people are all from California. No, they're all, the license plates are all California here. I mean, they're all, moved, they're all flying over here, you know, or driving. They don't, want to, they don't want to go to California anymore. You know, you can't drive on the streets. The sidewalks are all tents, uh, RVs everywhere. Um, so that's just Ray. <laughs> that's, that's what you're dealing with. And that's why I still think, you know, if I ran an operation, you know, I would think of some creative ideas 
that I would give their employee benefits, you know, like an awards program like I did every month. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the biggest complaints I ever had from employees was, you never talk to me, Doug. We never break down. You never sit down and tell me what I need to do. That all changed, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I really never did that. You know, I, I did that right away, you know, because I enjoyed, in a football sense, having the coach take me aside and say, Doug, here's what you're doing wrong. I need you to do this. I go, thanks, coach. You feel a special attachment to him then. Yeah. Uh, so I would do all that. I mean, I didn't even wait for someone to come and tell me. I was going to go and reach out to them. And, uh, you know, whether it was like, you know, that complimentary box or something like that, and, you know, our customers could, you know, chirp in on. Uh, I think the more that you can recognize people in front of other people, it's amazing. Don't we all like to be accolades in front of, you know, our working members, our fellow uh, employees? Absolutely. That's a big part. I think I really, really think. And if you yep. only, you know, now I know if you have your own business, you have a lot more freedom to do that. But, you know, I'll, I'll just say this for franchising. I mean, there's some extra fees like the advertising and a royalty part of it. But I'll tell you, I think in most cases, you more than get that back with most franchises. Absolutely. I agree with that. Okay. We have to go to one more commercial break and then we'll come back to wrap up with you, Doug. I really appreciate all your wisdom that you're sharing with us today. And again, we'll be right back after this. Probably be a good idea to unmute. Um, <laughs> I'm like, how do I message her? <laughs> I might be crazy, but maybe I should unmute. So what I was saying before I was unmuted or muted was that uh, <laughs> we did the ink article. I have posted a post on all of our social media. So if you have not, go on there and, and become a part of the Pillars of Franchising social media platform. Um, but if anyone out there has quit a job, has thought of quitting a job, is thinking of becoming a business owner or thinking of looking into franchising, we would love to hear from you and ask you to include any questions that you might have for our million dollar mentors. What advice would you need? Do you need to know where to start? Um, if you wanna know what some good ideas are, send your questions in the comments. You can send them in the comments. You can send them to my email, Elizabeth at pillarsoffranchising.com and we will get some answers out to you. Um, we just wanna see how many of our viewers have experienced uh, this trend that the Inc. Magazine article was talking about? So be sure to connect with us on social media. The post went out right at the beginning of the show. Um, and let us know if you're thinking about business ownership. Back to you, Kristen. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. And that was such a great article. Um, if you're reading it on your iPhone like I do, you got to scroll a lot because there's a lot of information in there. Um, but definitely worth the read. Um, and we're back here with Doug Plank again. Doug, thank you again for joining us. And to wrap up today, I always uh, usually ask Jerry this question, um, which I'll, I'll get to him in a bit because he's, he's waiting too. But do you think today, obviously you listened a little bit to our article in, in Inc. Magazine. Do you think today is a good day still for people to get into franchising as you did 20 years ago? Yeah, yes, I do. But, you know, make sure you have some uh, basic knowledge of the business cycle or accounting or to go in just totally ignorant. You know, there's one person I, I forgot to mention because he had a huge, you know, impact on my life. He wasn't my brother. Um, he was a guy that my wife went to school with in Toledo, Ohio, and he worked at a Burger King restaurant. And he later became the manager and then part owner, then a franchisee. And then he had like over 150 Burger Kings and he owned many, many other concepts. In fact, his, he has a company now on NASDAQ. NASDAQ trades every day and it's called Quality Dining Inc. And his name is Dan Fitzpatrick. And he taught me in 
uh, three months what it would have taken me 30 years to learn about that business. And that's why I, I tell everybody, I think franchising is great, but you need to associate the more you can find the best franchisee in your concept in town or anywhere in the country and, and go in your, get in a plane, go, go there, fly there, yeah. try to his brain and find out how, what, how he did it. Because, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the originator of anything. Right. You just have to be able to perform. Yeah, and I think that's, that's actually a really good point, and that's certainly what we're trying to do here with our Million Dollar Mentors and make sure that we continue to provide value to our listeners and our viewers every single week by having people like you on that who would have ever thought that Doug Plank, right, hardest hitting safety in the NFL, was going to own 20 Burger Kings. Like, where did that come from? Now, today I saw an article Patrick Mahomes is going out into franchising. Oh, really? So oh. I'm kind of curious to see – what? Where Who's all these that? guys go? <laughs> Wait. Drew Brees was another one. Uh, he he went into a lot of different concepts. And uh, no, I, I appreciate those guys. Uh, you know, because they have name recognition. Was this yeah. a came in Burger King because of me? Probably not. Like I opened my first one in Columbus, Ohio. I didn't even start at Ohio State. I played five games in my career at Ohio State. Think about that. And in one game, I start because of an injury. And in Chicago at, at Northwestern, and I get drafted by the Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the bench the rest of the year, running down on kickoffs. So, no, I live, I, I think I'm living a blessed life, and I'm so thankful that franchising was part of it because it's still all part of that team concept, and you're all helping each other. And, uh, like, you know, I thought of, like, the walkie-talkies before anybody else did. I had a walkie-talkie person out in the parking lot as the cars were stacking up. They were taking orders. And they were calling you. So when you, we, would, we would run the orders outside to the cars. So when the car, like, you would have five or six cars pulling away at one time because we had already serviced the order. We took the order. We made the order. We, we ran it out to there. And, you know, I, what about I think, I think. I think Pertillo's in Portillo's. Chicago stole that from you. Yeah, they oh, do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I bought a lot of those carpenters' vests. You know, we put fives, tens, ones in there and changed. So I trusted our employees. They just had money stuffed in there. We didn't know how much it was. <laughs> they were collecting money from people. And we, at the end of the day, we brought it in, saw how much sales we made, how much money was in that workers, you know. Uh, yeah. It was amazing. But you know what? It was an idea, and it was an idea before it's time. You're right. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. Still here in Arizona right now. I love when they first came. I go, man, I love Portilla. You go, what do you, what do you mean Portilla? Yeah. I, go, I, I got, I got one, one quick question. Uh, you said you're in your fourth quarter. Yes. Where do you see yourself going from here? Uh, you know what, what you have to, here's what you have to be progressive though. You have to always look at the landscape out there and say, what is this good for right now? Well, one of the things that I've done over the last, having a real estate license, I bought houses and I rented houses. So I have seven or eight houses right now. I'm currently uh, leasing to other people in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, that's probably not a good business to be in right now because there's mayors and governors all across this country, including the president, that have banned eviction process procedures. So there's people that, and God bless them, you know, I, I know they might have lost their job, be under tough circumstances. What about the person that is offering their house to them? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the eviction process can last you a long time. Uh, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my license again to buy and 
I'm going to build houses. And my next, our next business is going to be uh, building houses out here and selling them. And I just passed my life, my health, and a series 65 insecurities. And I'm going to be doing seminars in Chicago for people. Yay! That- you got to invite yes, us. Yes. You know, they're male. I'm reading they're male. I don't, I don't want to rent another six houses to people. You know what? I have too much risk. I'm yeah. Yeah. yeah, we I, need to get out of that rental business, too. We just sold off our rentals, and, and really just before COVID, and I feel really fortunate. One was in Atlanta because of Arthur, and one was here downtown Chicago. And I'm really glad that we did because you, you are in a particular a particularly uh, awkward situation right now, but I'm so excited to see where you go from here. And, and I would say, you know, if you're in the fourth quarter now, the next thing coming up is overtime, right? <laughs> is there such a thing as the fifth quarter? <laughs> yeah, I, you just call it overtime. And I don't think there's an end in sight for you. I mean, you've got so much going on, so many great plans, and you've got kids around, I know, according to this, right? Yeah, you know, my, my, my daughter lives in California, and uh, she's she, she works for another company uh, that sells annuities and, uh, and, and other life insurance products. And my, my son uh, graduated from Arizona State University, and he spent uh, 13 years in the Army. He's a captain. Nice. Uh, Thank he's, you. He's in Afghanistan, Qatar. He isn't in Afghanistan now. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, no, you know, honestly, when I see all these uh, – uh, our military and things, you know, I this never happened to me before. Like I said, tears just start coming down my, cause I, my son, yeah. Yeah. Know, and I'm just saying, please, please God, don't send him to Afghanistan. Um, you know, it's just amazing how all these things in the world, they all get interconnected, you know, they do. very yeah. easily, very easily. Well, you know, gave me chills again. One comment here on his future plans. I could see where there could be a recurring guest co-host um, yes. thing in his plans. Oh, wow. That would be so fabulous. I, I would, I'm not sure, but you know me. I'm, you know, but never mind. Continue on. You're looking for a free meal, you know. <laughs> I have a yes. Any of you guys that come in, it's on the house. Bring your brothers, your sisters, your wives and husbands and all that. Come on down. It's all going to be for free. Uh, in, in, in all these other things that I did, I did coach for 10 years, too. I coached with the Arena Football League for four years. I went down and coached with the Falcons for four years. I went and coached with the Jets, Rex Ryan, uh, who was Buddy Ryan's son. You know, he was a defense coordinator in Chicago. And uh, you know what? One of you mentioned something earlier. You know, that you, somebody wasn't there for their kids during some part of their life. Yeah. It was me. I'm coaching all over the country. Yes, okay, I'm doing what I want to do. I visit Ohio State, Chicago Bears, I'm not, yeah, Jets. You know what? I, my kids were paying the price. All this crappy stuff about, I hear other, other players that I play with, oh, when I go home, it's all quality time. Come on, that's a big joke. There's no such thing as quality time. Do, right, and, and once you do that, and, and depending on the business you get into, it really does afford you those things that you want with your with your family. So, Doug, I want to thank you again, and I would be so honored to have you on as a co-host with us. That would be so much fun, so much fun. I couldn't keep up with you all the time, but I would I would try my best. How do people if people want to get a hold of you? 
they want to read about you, what's the best way for them to do that? Obviously, we'll put your information that you've shared with us on you know, our on our site. Website to Doug Frank forty six. You know, I think I think I do. And uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I don't I don't have a problem. Any my my email is Doug. I made it real simple. My number in in the Chicago Bears forty six forty six defense. Doug Plank forty six at gmail.com. That's it. That's awesome. 46 at gmail.com. I, I promise I will answer anything. I, I get things all the time, maybe like 10 items a week that I just, you know, sign baseball cards, hats, uh, jerseys. I mean, you name it. Uh, you know, I do cameo now, you know, in terms of well, welcoming people for their birthdays and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, no, it, I, I've always enjoyed this because I always felt like I was so blessed to get through the things that I did. The torn ligaments, the, yep. the sitting on the bench, getting picked in the 12th round, you know, 291st player pick. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so lucky. I just, I always seem like I managed to slip in underneath things at the last minute. But you know what? I know it wasn't an accident because I, I feel like the things that I've done in business, they weren't lucky. They were, they were hard work. They were ingenuity. And it was treating people right. Uh, it was, it's amazing when I was running the Burger Kings to have like younger kids that were in high school working for you come back five or six years later after they've been out of college and thank you in the front counter. Doug, thank you for the, the, the boss that you were. You know, I, I learned so much from you. I got so much motivation. It's like, oh my gosh, somebody just took all the air out of your lungs. They're like, this feels so good. You know, yeah. man, I, I helped someone. I, 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 it motivated somebody to do something they never would have done. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're all about here on Pillars of Franchising. So who knows? Maybe you're going to have to be a mentor with us as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Doug Plank, for being with us on the show. We wish you Thank nothing you. but the best and hope to see you next time you're here in Chicago. Ray yeah, and I will yeah. be waiting at our hair. It's going to be soon. You can drive the bus and we can be your personal Ubers. <laughs> Until next week, same time, same channel. Thank you from Pillars of Franchising. You know, we got uh, uh, Jerry on. Jerry, are you there, Jerry? I'm here. I'm always just afraid to start talking until I know everything's closed up, you know. I wait for the music. Yeah, well, you know, um, I don't know what happened to Fred. We all want to know what happened to Fred. I'm going to text him right now. I think he fell out of his chair. No, I'm still here. Jerry's on. Please continue. Well, let's okay, get Jerry. And then I'll play music. He was so much fun, wasn't he? Oh, wow. Yeah. So Man. You know, it, it, you know, we all have a lot of business acumen, but I think this guy just, you know, his cup overflowing. <laughs> well, and I want to say it was so great for all the shout outs to Chicago, right? And and he just really, Elmhurst College, Northwestern, I know our great friend Jim Trelevin going to love all the shout outs he gave to Ohio State, and um, you know, my husband will love the fact that Pittsburgh Steelers were in there, and all that good stuff, but um Jerry, you got to talk to us about about uh, franchising as well, about multi-units, I think, this week. Are we talking about multi-units? 
We're going to talk about multi-units, but uh, part of the three-part series. This week is about who is best suited to only have one instead of going to multi-units. Okay, let's hear um, it. Yeah, next week we'll talk about some of the characteristics that would be great for somebody that is going to do multi-units. In my experience, um, you're defined to do one of those things, but probably not, you know, you got to stay in your lane. There are people who really should stay with a single unit if they want to stay directly involved in the operation side of that unit. Somebody that wants to have a lot of hands-on time, somebody who, um, you know, and it, some of it seems negative, but it's really not. It's, mm -hmm. it's just meant to help people define it. Because, um, it, for, and, and I'll share this with you, my wife struggles with having multiple units because she likes to be in each location on a regular basis. She's got a relationship with all the staff. She needs to, you know, she's got a little bit of micromanager to her, so she, she likes to, you know, actually move the pieces around and things like that. <laughs> when you go to a larger organization, you have to trust other people to do that, and you have yeah. to understand you're not going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with uh, most of your baseline staff and so on. So um, if you're somebody that really likes that involvement in the relationships with your staff, your baseline staff, and you really like to – uh, do something within the four walls of the business and then see immediate uh, feedback from what's going on with it, then you're probably better suited to run maybe one location. Um, you know, seeing that direct impact when you make a move and seeing it almost instantaneously, there's a lot of vicarious thrill that goes along with that, mm -hmm. and it's very rewarding. So if that kind of, uh, if that's who you are and the way you're wired, then Sticking with one unit uh, or maybe even two units is probably more uh, up, your, up your alley because um, once you get to several units, right. you, you can't do that. You lose all of those things go away because, um, first off, there's not enough time. You, you right. just can't get out into all your locations on a regular basis and meet every staff member and all that kind of stuff. Uh, secondly, you're, you're making decisions on a more of a global basis and then having them implemented by um, some line manager or general manager or something, depending on your organization. So to go back to David's part of so much of what we talk about is the leadership. So, you know, when you want to have multiple units, you've got to be able to develop leaders and so on. So if, if it's not in you, because I think people who are wired this way understand, right. if it's not in you to train somebody and then turn over that responsibility to them and step back and let them do their thing, if you really feel like you need to be actively engaged, then one or two units is more the way you should go. You will still make a great income. Yep. Um, you, you will, you know, your stress level will probably be fairly, fairly low. And, uh, again, you see a uh, direct response from the things that you do. Sure. And that also probably depends on um, the geographic location of these businesses, too, right? I mean, for you, obviously, you've got over 30, um, you know, great clips. To get to all 30 stores, absolutely unrealistic, even probably within 30 days. But, of course, you have a team to do that. Now, if you were talking about the joint, right, maybe you've got two or three within the same county, that might be more feasible. Absolutely. Uh, you know, geography makes a big difference. But uh, if you take a larger town like Chicago, let's say, mm -hmm. or Cleveland or Cincinnati, something like that, uh, even within that geographic area, if you – 
even have two or three locations, it might be very difficult to get to those locations on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Because generally smaller organizations, somebody that has one to three locations, you may wear a lot of hats. You, you may, I mean, you could handle payroll or bill, uh, you know, pay. Uh, you probably have banking responsibilities. You may handle real estate. You may handle maintenance type things. They're just a long list of things that because you're a smaller organization, you may not uh, pay somebody to do. You may do it yourself. So that means you're spending more time in an office handling those things, which doesn't give you a lot of time to drive, you know, three hours across Chicago to another location and spend quality time there. Maybe you stop in and, you know, spend an hour with the general manager or something like that, but you're not going to have a lot of time to spend there. So, so even, you know, larger cities or something, it's tough to get to very many locations on a regular basis. I think that's actually really great advice and, and, you know, for people out there who are thinking about um, doing this, this exodus that we talked about, um, I think it's really important. That's, those are some of the things that, you know, certainly on the show, if you were to call in or, or send us an email um, and you're considering joining the great resignation, you know, those are some of the questions that we would be asking you is tell us a little bit about yourself and how we would try to help you make sure that you're not thinking that you fit into, you know, a multi-unit franchise system when maybe really the skill sets you have, the personality that you have, the vision you have about what having your own business looks like is really more suited to one or two units. Uh, yeah, Kristen, um, I'm a validator for Great Clips, which means when somebody's thinking about being a franchisee, they uh, hand them a list of names of uh, existing franchisees, and they can pick and choose who they want to call based on a small biography. Right. And so um, two or three times a month, I'm talking to potential franchisees. And in many cases, like just happened today, I'm talking to somebody Monday, and they sent me a long list of questions that they've got, some of them related to me and how I got in and what were the strong points. And, you know, and, and I will tell you this, and anybody that's been a validator in any system, I think will probably tell you the same thing. It's usually in the first five to ten minutes of the conversation with somebody like that, you pretty much have an idea where they're wired yeah. to be, you know, a single unit or multi-unit type franchisee. And, and I myself then start asking questions relating to that to lead yeah. them down that path to help them make the decision that they feel is right for them before they, you know, maybe get into a situation that's going to be difficult for them. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you as, as a, a previous validator myself, you know, the, the, the frustrating thing is when you, you know, it's only an opinion, right? But you can see the train coming and you say, I don't know that that's really, you know, the right fit, but, you know, it's your decision and they still make the decision. And then five years in, they're no longer here. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I wish you to listen, well, right? Yeah. So. And the, the key is, you know, it's telling versus asking. Any great right. presenter learns really quickly that you get a lot more buy-in by asking questions and letting people discover their own answers. And so when you do this for a while, you understand in that situation how to ask a question, which makes them stop and go, oh, wait, I don't see myself doing that, or I see that as a downfall of my personality, something I couldn't handle or whatever. So that's been my habit is that uh, by doing this, these emails prior to the validator call, then I can pre-design some questions that will lead them to whatever decision they want to make. It's, it's theirs. But yep. by asking those questions, I'll guarantee you this. In five years, if they're struggling because they went a different direction than those questions would have led them, 
they're going to remember the questions more than advice that I would have given them. Yes, yeah, I agree. And I think for people who are looking for franchises out there today and they go through those questions, I, I think one of you, David, talked about it before, and it's don't lie to yourself, right? Don't, don't force yourself and say, well, that's not really how I am, but that's how I want to be. That's not what I do, but that's what I want to do because then you're setting yourself up to fail. So. Well, and Kristen, many people feel they want to be multi-unit franchisees for one reason, because they want to make more money. And many times they make that decision before they realize how much money they can make with one or two locations. Sure. And so if you're wired similar to the way that I described early on in this conversation, um, you, you don't want the headaches and the stress of owning a lot of units. You, you yeah. want to stay with one or two you will make a great income, you'll have a great life, and you'll be within your lane, you'll be within your comfort zone. So uh, there's just no reason to push it beyond that. Well, I really appreciate that, Jerry. I think that's some great advice, and I'll look forward to talking to you again next week about people who are best suited for multi-unit franchises. Great. Looking forward to it, Kristen. Excellent. I hope you all have a great week. Again, uh, this is Sosa Franchising. We're going to sign out. We had a great guest today. Hope you catch us. If you haven't heard us live or you tuned in late, please check us out on YouTube um, where we interviewed uh, ex-Bears player Doug Plank and his great adventures in franchising, football fame and franchising. What could you want more? Yeah, right? This is a good show with him. And this has been... I'm <laughs> <laughs>